Big Red Revival. Welcome back into the Big Red Revival podcast, episode 27. And here it is again, another uh, victory Monday here in Husker Nation as the Huskers go into West Lafayette and get a 37-27 victory over the Purdue Boilermakers and what uh, has to be Nebraska's most complete game in, I I don't know, two, two three years at least. Um, you know, a great game in all fronts, uh, offense, defense, special teams, coaching even, play calling was good. Um just was a very good game to watch. Uh, it's good to see Nebraska come out, and um, also Martinez, you know, just came out and showed his his grit. Um, but the Huskers go in and get a victory and move to two and four on the season. And uh, if you look at it, they are tied for fifth place in the Big Ten overall. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of teams there with uh, two wins in the middle of the Big Ten. So um, you know, a lot of a lot of good things ahead and a lot of potential still out there for the Huskers this season. So after what uh, seemed a pretty glib. Uh, you know, throwaway season, you know, things can turn around in a hurry here. You know, you get another victory next week against Minnesota, and then however the hell the crossover game works, which, you know, the Big Ten's uh, done an ex, you know, a great job explaining to everybody how that works out. So <laughs> since no one knows anything, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, another victory. And, uh, you know, here in Husker Nation, we've, uh, we've learned to cherish these victories. So, uh, Zach, Another Husker Mon- or Victory Monday. How you feeling? What did you think of the game Saturday? Your voice is just so much more upbeat than normal. And <laughs> it's uh, it's a uh, it's truly a breath of fresh air, let me tell you. Um I think I think first things first, uh we can all agree that any time that the program of Nebraska can can have some sort of reunion with Bob Yako, we will always welcome it as long as he's not on right. our staff anymore. Yep. Um so I think that that's a uh, that's definitely a good thing, you know. He He's definitely a bender break uh, type of type of a uh, coach, and right. it definitely showed on Saturday. But um, all things aside, yeah, I think you know it's very, very a lot of positives to take away from this game. Like you said, you know, all all three phases of the game really kind of had their own moments to shine, and it just it got going right out of the right out of the gate with the with the block punt, and so um, you know. I think this is going to be a much more uh, positive episode than we've had uh, recently, aside from after the Penn State uh, game. But yeah, um, yeah no, it's uh, all feel goods on my end. And um, yeah, looking forward to see what we can do against potentially a 40 to 45 man team in Minnesota next absolutely. week. So absolutely, um, we'll see what happens. But I think we definitely have, uh, you know, a little little revenge uh, game against them this week with what, with what they did to us in Minneapolis and them coming back here for uh, for a senior day that um, a lot of the seniors that we heard speak today and have seen played over the past four or five years uh, haven't, haven't forgot from last year. Right. Absolutely. After that, uh, that kick in the teeth that we received last year up in Minneapolis, that was uh, one of the uh, many uh, blowouts that we've experienced here in the last, you know, five to 10 years. So, um, yeah, the Huskers, you know, they jumped on them early. I mean, it was, it was 17, nothing before, you know, I even got my first beer down. So it was, uh, I think there's 10 minutes left in the first quarter and it was 17, nothing Huskers. They had had, I don't know, uh, like 20 total yards or something like six plays, 20 total yards, but it was, it was 17, nothing, you know, it started with that block punt. Um, you know, but it basically should have been returned for a touchdown. They recovered, recovered on the one yard line and then punched in the very next play. And then on the next possession, they forced Purdue to go three and out, uh, punt the ball. Cam Taylor Britt, you know, feels it about the 45, our own 45, gets a, like a 25-yard return. And then you see a flag come down, and it's like, oh, you know, same, you know, same <laughs> old story here. Holding, coming back, and you no, know, ends up being a uh, sideline warning or sideline flag on Purdue. So that's another 15 yards. Next thing you know, we've got the ball at the 25. A couple plays later, punch it in, 14 nothing. You know, before before the even first commercial break, it feels like. So, um, you know, starting fast was key to this game. And But, you know, every time Purdue, um, you know, made a little run or scored or made you think that they were going to, you know, turn this into a ball game, um, 
the Huskers found a way to answer the bell, which was one of the one of the things that really impressed me about this game because uh, Nebraska historically, especially under this regime, the last couple of regimes have been uh, you know prone to buckling under pressure, you know, kind of you know puckering up as the as the game gets tight uh, down the stretch. Um, but you know, every time Purdue made a run, this uh, Nebraska found a way to answer or to go on a long, dry, long sustained drive. Um, it was just you know, it was like a it was like a Nebraska team I hadn't seen in a while. I don't I don't know when's the last time I've seen Nebraska play like this in all facets of the game. But um, you know, this was a uh, you know complete victory. I mean, all across all fronts, special teams looked good. Um, you know, we we blocked a punt, we got our punt blocked uh, somehow. But, um, you know, they kicked the ball through the end zone. Uh, I think every kickoff went through the end zone or at least into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, got uh, got good returns, good punt returns. It just um, – and then, of course, you know, I, you know, he's getting a lot of run this week, as he should. Um, Connor Culp. I mean, um, I don't know who's the MVP of this team, but uh, Connor, Connor Culp is uh, definitely, definitely in the running. The guy on the season is 12 of 13 in field goals. Hit a nice 40, 49 yard field goal today. Uh, you know, had a little movement on it, but uh, put it right in there. So into, into the wind too. Yeah, just a breath of fresh air to see the kicking game, at least on field goals, um, go like that. Um, so just uh, it was like I said, it was just kind of a uh, different vibe. It just looked like a completely different team. And I don't know if it's because we had a different recipe on Saturday. You know, from the watching end, this was the uh, this is the first time I had left. Um, left Omaha to uh, go down and see a game. So uh, the Revival crew uh, met up at uh, one of our buddies' place, uh, had some morning cocktails, and, you know, next thing you know, Nebraska's kicking the shit out of somebody and everybody's feeling good. So, um, you know, we might have our recipe for uh, for Husker success here down down the stretch. But, uh, Zach, just, I mean, what would you think just start to finish of the game of, you know, how Nebraska looked, the play calling, Adrian Martinez himself, um, just – just kind of general overall feelings of the game and uh, how it went Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I think first off foremost, uh, just nothing but credit to Adrian Martinez. I mean, what a high character guy, what a guy that, you know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks in his situation, a lot of players in his situation would have kind of, kind of mailed it in after what he had to experience this year. And, and we all, you know, maybe questioned it, maybe thought it was the right move, maybe we didn't. Whatever the case may be, I think ultimately it was the right move to kind of just let him kind of take a step back and kind of figure himself out again because it sure is paying off. I mean, he is just, <clears throat> he's playing very, very efficient football uh, the last couple of weeks. You know, he's he's playing with more confidence. You know that that run he had on the second touchdown was about as about as impressive as you and you as you see from quarterback, running back, whoever, uh, just a ball carrier in general. And so, um, you know, the way that he's just kind of taken this situation uh, and almost just played, you know, with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder has been very, very impressive. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about, and a lot of the media would talk about how the the players would feed off of Luke with his energy. Well, right. I, I don't think that there's anything you can do uh, to get more buy-in from your teammates than what Adrian Martinez has done the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, definitely hats off to him and very, very happy for the kid. But um, in addition to that, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned it with the three phases, you know, the offense clearly had a, had a plan and had an identity going into this game. You know, we saw some very impressive play calling, we saw some that that one uh, touchdown that the the kid from O'Neill um, had, where we sh- we shifted the whole offense to a different side of the ball. Right. Purdue clearly didn't shift with us, and we exposed a clear hole in their defense. was was just one good example of of the offensive approach that we brought into the end of the day. And then defense, you know, they're just they've just been doing what they do. You know, they've been gritty. They've been making plays. They've been making stops when they need to, and um, they're they're just been playing completely out of character as it as it pertains to the last you know three years of this coaching coaching staff. And then finally, we like you said, we get to see the special teams really really shine for a game. You know, we <clears throat> got to block a punt. We we have our solid you know consistent kicker, um, and then we're doing all the right things. You know, the mistakes are going to happen, so we got the punt blocked. It is what it is, but 
Um, I think overall, you know, as a team, that was as complete of a performance under the Frost era as we've seen since probably the Minnesota game his first year. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just wanted to touch on the Adrian Martinez thing. You know, um, you know, with the quarterback thing, I think, you know, going into this season, uh, we're pretty vocal on being on the Adrian Martinez train. Um, and then the first two games happen and it, you know, I was I was said that it need, you know, we needed to give McCaffrey a look. McCaffrey got his two games. Uh, you know, we found out who he is and you know, those two games kind of seeing the game from a different perspective has really turned Adrian Martinez around. You know, they when they talk about the two quarterbacks, we talk a lot about Luke's athleticism and whatnot. But, you know, I, I think people are sleeping and do, I don't think Adrian gets enough credit for how crafty of a runner he is. I mean, how many times do you see him make a, a guy miss in the hole? And we're not just talking about, you know, this last game. We're talking go back to the Ohio State game. How many how many Ohio State guys did he make miss it in the hole? Uh, just a very, very crafty runner, you know, obviously not a burner, but, uh, you know, very, very good runner. And, you know, since being benched, uh, Martinez has went on to, you know, be 44, 44 of 54 for 459 yards, two touchdowns passing and another three rushing with another 80 yards rushing. So 82% completion rate. I mean, completely has changed this guy around and, you know, completely changed his team around because, uh, you know, I think that, well, that Luke may provide a spark, uh, you know, Martinez can uh, keep the flame going. And, you know, and sometimes you don't need a spark. You need a flame to heat the house. So, um, obviously, Martinez is the guy to uh, run with through, through the rest of the season. And, you know, with two games, potentially, maybe three, no one knows how this goddamn bowl game situation is going to work out. People are bailing left and right, you know, the the Papa John's Bowl and the <laughs> Bad Boy Mowers Bowl and all, all these fucking place you never heard of in your life uh are closing down shop but uh you know the more games we can get in the better um especially this season but you know you you look around and all of a sudden nebraska has got a pretty realistic chance to uh go 500 um you know go four and four which you know last week two weeks ago um really you know seemed like a uh, pipe dream you know <laughs> um but you know you we open up uh, against minnesota as 10 and a half point favorites minnesota's coming to town down 20, 25 guys. So you got to like your odds there. Um, and then the crossover games, you're going to be probably getting somebody along the Michigan, Michigan State, um, maybe um, maybe Rutgers, um, whoever. But, you know, the Big Ten, you know, you got you only have four teams that have winning records in the whole conference. Um, I- Iowa, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Indiana. And everybody else has got two wins. So that puts us, you know, right in the thick of things. We may, we may have four losses along with them, but, uh, you know, two wins, you know, that puts you for tied for fifth place in the uh, Big Ten. So Misery um, loves things, company. Yeah, things can change uh, in a hurry here. You know, you win this next game and uh, you're kind of liking how the season's going and uh, where it can go. So um, just like you said, the just the grit of Martinez. I mean, you saw, you saw his post-game press conference um, where he said, you know, when I lost you the job being a starter, you know, I wanted to make sure that I remained a captain. And I mean, just, I mean, that, that's just probably something you're going to see written on the stadium, you know, or somewhere in the stadium sometime. I mean, I think that uh, Martinez, you know, is going to go down as one of Nebraska's most well-liked quarterbacks, just, just how he carries himself. I think everybody respects it. And, you know, it, maybe he's not the most talented guy in the world, but God, you know, I'll, I'll take that guy in my foxhole any day of the week, you know, I'll take that guy. So, um, Nebraska, you know, we talked about the defense. The defense has really, really turned the corner, really the whole season. You know, uh, we noticed that the first game against Ohio State, you know, we got blown out by 35, but we just, you know, after the game, everybody was like, hey, you know, we look different in the trenches. You know, we weren't getting pushed around. Uh, ben Stilley has completely turned the corner. I mean, uh, the guys had some, you know, pretty good experience playing, but uh, you never really quite had, um, you know, st- stats that popped out at you, but uh, Ben Stilley's really had a great season. Obviously, Ty Robinson's been playing well. Um, the whole defense line, a lot of credit goes out to uh, Coach Teodi, um, recruiting well, um, coaching these guys up. Casey Rogers is a good up-and-coming kid that's been getting some run. Um, uh, Damian Daniels uh, has been getting in there playing good, so you just feel good about the whole defense. Linebackers are flying around, hitting, hitting people. Will Honus has completely changed his outlook. Um, the emergence of Luke Reimer, the DBs have finally settled in. You know, 
Cam Taylor Britt, I mean, how many is that three or four times we've had to see him, you know, <laughs> look like a super athlete going up, knocking the ball the way. I mean, just that's uh, my guy. That's my guy. Yeah. And, you know, and they're coming up hitting people, you know, that's the thing. They're coming up sticking people. So it's uh, just I had a lot of fun watching this game and it has been a long time since uh, Nebraska has looked that way. So just very, 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 very refreshing to see. Um, you know, and then, of course, uh, on the offensive end of things, Dedrick Mills uh, still was finally back after uh, two and a half games absence, basically nicked up. Uh, numbers aren't going to jump out to you, 16 carries for 60 yards. But the thing for me is the 16 carries, you know, he takes a little time to get, you know, lathered up or whatever, get going. So the fact that we fed him the ball and Nebraska had 40 carries as a team. So um, it's good to see him, you know, still running hard, getting in there. And then, of course, uh, Wandell. Um, Nine catches, 114 yards. Just the guy's a, a threat anytime he touches the ball. So uh, Xavier Betts, you know, continues to be a guy that uh, I think everybody around here thinks is going to be something special here in the future. But uh, what else did you see offensively? Uh, I mean, obviously Austin Allen continues to – I mean, you know, we keep talking about offensive and defense and team MVPs. Austin Allen's been pretty steady all all year. Uh, granted, he got, you know, got uh, kind of like my – my baby, you know, she always starts running, gets a little, little too much forward lean, you know, and just fucking falls down. <laughs> but uh, he had that uh, what should have been, you know, probably a wide open touchdown that uh, got a little top heavy and tumbled over himself. But uh, what are you seeing from the offense and the offensive weapons and how they're being used uh, so far, so far here? Yeah, I think I think the first thing, and it's it's not much to speak of, but the first thing that really jumps out to me on the uh, on the stat page was. Wandale Robinson, two carries, five yards. We were very, very efficient and productive on the offensive side of the football, and we didn't have to utilize him as a running back. We finally got to showcase him as a receiver and for what he really is and what he can be here. And I think that's huge. You know, if we can, you know, Dedrick Mills, what a welcome back, by the way. You know, you you get your first carry on the one yard line to go in for a touchdown. Like, right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good way to get you going. But <laughs> all right, I, yeah. But I I listened to one the one kill. Yeah, I, I listened to the, um, the the press conference today, and they had a lot of the seniors on, and we can probably get to that later. But one thing uh, with with Dedrick Mills is the guy really wanted to be out there, and he kind of broke. He kind of explained what his injury was, and it was early in the Penn State game. He kind of got uh, uh, stood up by a defense defender and then somebody else came from the side and hit him from the, and he heard a little bit of a pop in his knee and he goes, I finished the drive, but I knew that if I would keep playing, I wouldn't be able to play the rest of the year. So okay. uh, something about that, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into it, but something about that tells me that maybe he sees another year here next year, yep. which would be huge for us. But um, that's just kind of a side story. Um, aside from that, no, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about the offensive line. Uh, there was a couple times where Martinez was pretty much just camped out in the pocket, just Absolutely. going through progression, going through reads. There's one time, I mean, he he completely shifted his whole body from one read to the next to the next to the next and, fi- and found Wandale about 20 yards down the field on the sideline for a, a, a big gain. And, and that's just – something that Martinez probably hasn't had a whole lot of experience with in the last or in, in the three years that he, he's been here, but finally we, and maybe, maybe a little bit uh, towards the end of uh, last year when our, when our O-line started to mesh a little bit, but to see that and to see somebody like Martinez, who is sometimes a little bit quick to run or, you know, slow to make decisions to have that time to really go through those progressions and make the right read is huge for him. And so I think that, that, that goes along, along, along with uh, uh, the success that the offense had, but I mean, just to see all of the things we did and how creative we got. And, you know, I mean, Purdue played outside uh, both teams. We can say had uh, some struggles with penalties, but Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) uh, But Purdue, you know, they were, I mean, passing the football were very efficient you know uh, that Jack Plummer had a had a very very uh, under the radar very good game, um, but we were able to to eat up the clock and and drive when we, when we needed to and score when when we needed to, and it was just it was refreshing. Yeah, you know we had talked about earlier about uh, Nebraska answering the bell. 
Um, actually, before I get that, obviously we talked about in the trenches, um, you know, and he went over the offense line. Uh, Cam Jurgens, no, no issues with snap today. So that's, you know, it's, it's the simple things at this point in time in the program. So uh, no snap issues, which uh, has been, you know, a problem for Nebraska this season. Um, and the defense line, you know, Purdue, Purdue wasn't interested in running the ball. Uh, Purdue had a total of minus two rushing yards. So <laughs> at, uh, the defensive line, man, they're just very impressive, very impressive. But uh, we talked about Nebraska answering the bell anytime that, uh, you know, it looked like Purdue wanted to make a run because, like I said, the quarterback was very efficient with the ball. Um, they had that long, long touchdown to uh, David Bell where our two uh, DBs, uh, you know, ball shouldn't have been thrown. It's a bad throw, bad decision. I mean, should have been picked off twice. I mean, the only bad thing is that we had two guys ready to pick it off that happened to, uh, <laughs> you know, run into each other midair. And uh, David Bell went for 80-plus yard touchdown to cut the lead late to 27-34. And then Nebraska goes on uh, the longest drive, craziest drive. I don't know, something that probably needs to be docu- documented in the uh, Big Ten Museum. Um, I believe it was – I believe they ended up 12 minutes, 12 minutes. They ended up racking this at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They ended up racking up like 157 total yards on the drive. Um, You know, it started with a kickoff return with a holding penalty that dropped us back to like 13. And then we got two holding calls that put us at, I believe second and 29. And then we got bailed out when Martinez uh, sailed it over uh, Xavier Betts head. Xavier Betts gets hit laid out of bounds, bonehead play. Um, Xavier Betts ran the wrong route on that play. No, nope. That's before this. Oh, Remember gotcha. he went over his head and. Oh he yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And then a couple plays later, um, what you're talking about, yeah. uh, Wondell and Xavier Betts run exactly the same route mm-hmm. and they get flagged for pass interference. Purdue played a lot like how, how Nebraska has played in the past. Like they, we only had, they only had two more penalties than us, but their penalties were at the most inopportune times, you know, second and 29 and you get a late hit, you know, personal foul to give us a first down or um, the, uh, the pass interference, like that ball wasn't going to be caught. And, you know, you can make an argument that it shouldn't have even been called. Um, and then we go on, we get, we get a long run down to mills down to the, what the one yard line, it looks like we're going to punch it in for a touchdown. And then Austin Allen gets that uh, chop block um, where he hit guy, him in, where he hit him in the hip. Yeah. And <laughs> so backs us up. And, you know, Nebraska ends up settling with a field goal, but it was just, it was a good answer because Purdue, the, what we like to call Uncle Mo had shifted over to Purdue. They're down seven and Nebraska goes on this long drive, ends up getting points out of it. May not have been touching, but got points to push it to a two score game. And that's when it basically pulled, you know, put the game away. Defense uh, sealed it up with a couple sacks. Um, and, you know, we, I forgot to talk about this. Obviously we're talking about penalties, but, uh, you know, there was that stat going around Twitter last week of, uh, you know, the holding holding calls against Nebraska or that Nebraska's received. And it was some crazy number. Like, it had been like almost 600 snaps since Nebraska had got, you know, somebody a holding call against them. And the next closest was like 250. Well, so, clearly, yeah, clearly fucking the Big Ten had got that memo mm-hmm. because uh, I, think, I think we got four or five holding calls uh, this game. Um, which was <laughs> uh, refreshing to see. So it's you know you kind of feel like some someone saw that stat floating around there, uh, starting to think something of it. So got a couple of good holding calls. Our players were able to get to get to the quarterback. Um, you know uh, Nelson got his first sack of his career. Actually got one and a half of them uh, Saturday. So just uh, man, just you know refreshing to see, refreshing to see from from the Scurs. So. Um, what else have we got here? Um, what we were talking about, you know, Purdue kind of played like Nebraska had in the past, you know. It's just like any time there was a mistake to be made, uh, it feels like, you know, Purdue made it. And, you know, I wanted to talk about just kind of how how this season's going and how other teams in our maybe situation are reacting to this. Purdue, to me, they, they didn't look like they wanted to be there. Um, and, and I'm not talking late in the game or – I'm talking like at the beginning of the game. Purdue didn't look like they wanted to be there. Um, and, you know, that's kind of going around college football, especially when teams get down or get a losing record. You're seeing a lot of guys opt out. Um, you know, 
opt out mentally or just actually opt the fuck out, which, you know, we've, we've went over that to, you know, opting out six games into a season. Quitting. That's not an opt out. That's a quit. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a quit, sir. So, um, and I think we can all agree that at no point have we ever felt like Nebraska um, maybe, you know, had opted out mentally or, you know, just wasn't there or wasn't mentally preparing or, you know, you, when you're one and four, you could have a lot of guys mail it in. And, uh, you know, we, whether we lost or not last week to Iowa, um, it didn't look like anybody quit out there. And the guys have come out each week and looked like they've been ready to play and looking like they want a victory. So just a lot of credit to the Nebraska players for, you know, keeping their head in it because, you know, this day and age with these kids, uh, as soon as things aren't going right, you know, you get a lot of guys that, uh, you know, going to transfer, going to opt out or, you know, are just going to be out there going through the motions. And I think for the most part, uh, Nebraska players have been pretty good about that. I don't know if that's because we probably don't, you know, I don't know, maybe one guy with some pro potential there. or um, I don't know. What do you credit it to? You think it's just because we, we've we been down so much lately as a program and guys are just hungry to get a victory or or what? I mean, it's it could be a variety of things, but uh, it's just good to see the Nebraska players still out there fighting. They know that how much it means to the state and the coaching staff, so. Um, good to see these guys still out there fighting and scratching for every last bit. And uh, good to see that finally pay off with the victory. And Zach, who do you, who do you credit or what do you credit for the, you know, the players and coaches that, you know, they're still fighting like other programs. They haven't shut it down or just melted in already. I mean, is it just the lack of maybe NFL potential we have on the team or the coaching staff being able to motivate or what do you what do you contribute to uh, Nebraska's fight? You know, even being down to you know one and four record. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think it it speaks a lot to what we're seeing right now, um, based on kind of how we approach this season and how we tried to fight to play. You know, I don't I don't know that necessarily anybody in you know whether it's our coaching staff or locker room as players or anybody involved. I don't think anybody really thought that we were going to make any sort of, you know, serious push at something special this year, but it just comes down to the love of the game. And I think that, you know, that more than anything is being preached in our locker room and say what, say what you will about our coaches and, you know, how they, how they handle the media or how they, how they speak to, you know, the, the masses or whatever you want to say, but, I think that there's a, a general consensus of the love of the game um, in our locker room and whether we have the talent to match up against the best in the country. Um, I think that's, you know, non-negotiable. Um, but, right. but at the same time, you know, if, if we can get, you know, two, three extra games, or if we can fight to, to play the game that we all love, that's, that's going to end up showing in the long run. And, and you're seeing, like you said, you're seeing a lot of these teams kind of like bowing out and kind of, you know, showing the fatigue where it's not even a, it's not even a full season because they know the season isn't isn't the same as the seasons before this and the seasons that are going to happen after this. But I think that our team, more than anything, just sees the opportunity to have the opportunity to play and to improve and to mesh more as a group. And I think. Really, I think they see the benefits of playing more games this season is going to be paying off more in the long run than than not playing. And, you know, you have your teams that, you know, some may say are, quote unquote, opting out <clears throat> Michigan, <Right>. Michigan. <clears throat> um, but no, it, 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 it's a it's a good sign because, you know, we like I said, we, we like to, you know, kind of get on Scott Frost on, on what he's really doing here. But if he's got these guys bought in in one of the weirdest times and one of the times where it's easiest to mail it in and all mm-hmm. of our players are still, you know, very serious about playing and passionate about playing and, and showing right. unity on that front. I think, I think that's a really good sign going forward. And, you know, I maybe, maybe that's just a testament of one, one win that we can get here and there, but uh, and and feeling that good positivity uh, on a victory Monday, but at the same time, you know, I, I I watched the press conference today. I saw a lot of those players speak, and they all 
clearly were given the same message and they were relaying that to the media and the fans. And it was, it was pretty cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think whether the players and coaches want to admit it uh, or not themselves, uh, you know, uh, they've got to be hearing the outside the national media and the other big 10 pundits and schools, uh, you know, you know, tarnishing our name, you know, throwing dirt on our names and our program and, uh, you know, a little self pride from the team and the players, you know, when someone, when you talked about how this team and this program have been talked about for the last six months, I mean, it, it makes you want to go out and prove, prove to uh, people something and, you know, nothing like having a chip on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. So to, uh, you know, get you motivated, help you stay motivated. So I think that uh, I don't think that's lost on this team of, you know, what what everybody else has said about this team. So um, it's just it's good to see them playing like this. Um, you know, with with this whole COVID situation this season coming around, um, you know, we've got we've got the ability. Everybody gets an extra year of uh, eligibility. We've got a couple seniors on this team that, uh, you know, could be looking to come back and uh, get that extra year. Um, you got Hymas, Boodle, JoJo, Ben Stilley, Honus, uh, Mills, Colin Miller. I mean, it, who? Which, if you know, if you got to pick one of those guys, which one? Which one of these seniors would you like to, uh, you know, opt back in and come back for an extra year? Or who do you think is the possible? Which one do you think is more likely? Um, I think the most likely, uh, first off, is is Mills. I think that uh, you know he's got a he's got a a big body. He's got a lot of good talent. He's, you know, he's got, he's, he, he's got the pieces in place to potentially, you know, get a shot at the next, at the next level. He's again, he's got the size and, you know, we, we've seen what he can do at his highest level, mainly mm -hmm. last year, but uh, that's who I would think would, would most likely be back uh, of the senior group. But as far as who I would want the most, I mean, it would have been an easy decision probably two or three weeks ago. I, I wouldn't have hesitated or blinked at saying Hymas. Um, and I, I still would put him in, in at the the top of my list for somebody I would want to come back. You and right. you and I had talked about it on Saturday a little bit during the game. It's like, what how much do you hear from Hymas? Nothing. Right. Nothing. You never you never nothing. hear his name. Never nothing from never, the guy. never a holding call, never, never anything bad. I mean, the guy does his job and he does it at a very high level. Um, but now it's it's like I really want Stilly back too because he yep. is he's being a monster in the middle. I mean, he is disrupting plays, he's disrupting disrupting offenses. He I mean, he he has just elevated his game to a level that I don't think that he probably ever saw that he would think he would get to cuz I don't honestly think that maybe he would uh he would have thought that he'd be in the position he is as a as a now a two-year starter and a captain um but the guy ha has just completely transformed his game and he looks great. And he, I, we, I listened to him speak today and he, he's a very, very intelligent guy and he speaks well. And so I, I, I think that, you know, he, he's got a, you know, a possible shot at the next level as well, but right. um, I, it would be great to see him back and, yeah. and continue to um, kind of keep, keep a, uh, you know, yeah. If he can make another, you know, the next step. I mean, he's already taken a big step this yeah, year. If he can make another step, and he's a big, he, he's a huge leader in that D, D line room, and he's and a homegrown kid, and a homegrown kid. And you, you've seen how much Ty Robinson has brought to the table this year. And he was he re, he redshirted last year, and so it's like, you know, his his senior leadership and his his veteran leadership is obviously paying dividends for a lot of the guys around him. So, I mean, how could that not help us next year? Yeah, I was, you know, looking, obviously, Stilly, I think, you know, being a homegrown kid, I think he's got a good chance of maybe wanting to come back. Um, I'm not sure where his head head's, head's at, but uh, I my personal, you know, favorite would be uh, having JoJo come back. Um, you know, kind of that Swiss Army knife come back. You know, we talked preseason about JoJo needing to go from good to great, and I think JoJo's put himself in to be an all-conference performer this year. Um, and then, you know, kind of a guy that, you know, has been around for a couple of years and been underneath the radar. Will Honus is playing some good football, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I've, I've been a major critic of his, you know, not being able to run sideline to sideline. Um, he's played really well this season. So I don't know which one of these guys will come back, but, um, you know, there's probably a couple of them and, you know, I don't know how this recruiting class is going to stack up. Maybe we take a couple less guys and, uh, you know, 
excuse me, uh, leave the door open for a couple more of these guys to come back if we're not, you know, for we don't have to go out and, you know, take necessarily some guys that we don't want to take in recruiting. So uh, it'll be, you know, it'll be, be something to see of how this all shakes out. But um, uh, I don't know. That's, and then, you know, it looks like, you know, Minnesota has uh, been off for the last two games because of COVID. They got, I think 50 cases um, and like 20 of them are staffers or excuse me, 30 of them are staffers, like 20 or um, players. So, um, but it sounds like from today's press conference from PJ Fleck, it sounds like Minnesota is going to, you know, make their way to Lincoln. So, you know, you got to like, like the way that stacks up. Um, but, you know, another thing I want to just bring up outside of, uh, you know, Husker land uh, was this uh, great Saturday night game, the mullets versus the Mormons. Um, I mean, this, this to me was what college football is all about. And through all the negative things here in 2020 and all the bullshit we've seen through college football, uh, this was, this was something that was exciting and something that, that college football can hang their hat on. And maybe something that, uh, you know, teams and conferences should look at moving forward with like an open week of able to schedule somebody. This game came together on three week notice. Um, you know, three, BYU three day said, notice. Yeah, excuse me. Three day yeah. notice came. You know, BYU's was you know any any place, any time, any team. You know, um, and they lived up to it. They traveled across country, went to coast, went to uh, coastal Carolina outside Myrtle Beach, uh, the fighting Chanticleers or Chandeliers or whatever the fucking uh, mascot is. Um, but it was it was everything you. It, there hasn't been that many good games. I I can look at to the BYU or the. Uh, Notre Dame versus uh, Clemson game, and then this game was uh, was great to see. I mean, two two different kind of styles. You know, BYU a bigger, more physical team. Um, Coastal Carolina kind of spread them out, but um, it was just something that you know maybe college football wants to look to in the future. Hey, you know, leave a week open here here at the end of the season just in case you know we can make some interesting you know matchups. Um, and I think people would like to start seeing a lot more matchups made like that. You know. You know, when BYU is talking about maybe playing Cincinnati, it's like, you know, let's see the teams that are good at the end of the season, you know, maybe get some cross-conference uh, mm-hmm. matchups or whatever. So uh, just really, really enjoyed enjoyed that. Um, but, you know, also in this week's edition of uh, Old Faces, New Places, um, Bobo, uh, Pliny down there in, uh, in LSU, Um it was great seeing him get his fucking ass chewed up on national TV. We've seen him uh, here at Nebraska chewing a lot of ass and getting into a lot of officials and a lot of players. And to see uh, Coach O getting into him because of that putrid fucking defense. I mean, we just ran through Bob Diaco. Uh, you know, we might want to sign LSU up next. Mm-hmm. I mean, that defense is terrible. I think Bama – I mean – it's it's Bama, but you know LSU ain't running out there with fucking two stars. So they what I think Bama had forty six points at halftime on him. So it was great seeing uh, Pelini get a dose of his own medicine, and uh, looks like he will be in the unemployment line after this year again. So, um, and then unfortunately, the biggest game of the NFL, not the biggest, but the most talked about game of the NFL. Uh, weekend was the uh, New York Jets looking to get their first win of the season. Um, had the Raiders on the ropes. You know, the Raiders had that great showing against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Looked like they were a team that, uh, you know, not to be fucked with. Um, they have went on a little losing skid here and looked like they were going to lose to the winless Jets. Um, and then, unfortunately, our boy Lamar Jackson, uh, for some reason, you know, uh, bites on a, a double move on fourth and fourth and ball game, you know, fourth and fucking 25 or whatever it was, um, where it's clearly a Hail Mary situation for some reason, bit on a double move and Ruggs takes the top off the defense and uh, the Jets are once again the laughing stock of the NFL. And, um, you know, just it, it was probably a bad coaching call on that. I mean, Ruggs is a 4-2 guy. Lamar Jackson has never been known as a border, uh, a burner. Four or six guy, I believe. So, uh, what'd you think of the whole Pliny thing? And then did you see? Did you see? And did you know that was Lamar Jackson that gave that touchdown up yesterday? I did. I, I saw it, and then I I saw Lamar Jackson's tweet. And I mean, if if Husker fans know anything, Lamar Jackson will probably be good for the Jets uh, year three or four. <laughs> you got to give him time to yep. adjust into the. Yeah. Um, no, but 
it, no, it, it always sucks be to, to see a, a former Husker kind of have a moment like that because, right. you know, he, he's a, he's a loyal guy. He stuck it out with us. You know, he, he got a lot of crit- criticism early in his career and um, kind of just, you know, wrote it out and, and became like a very, he, he became a really, really good player for us later in his career and, and, and a good leader for us. And, so you never really want to see that happen to him. Um, but, you know, then again, he plays with the Jets and they they just don't know their ass from their elbow when it comes to football. So, um, right. I, I, and honestly, I think a lot of Jets fans were happy that it happened because absolutely. Because, I mean, Thank that, for that was a win. That was a win for them. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, absolutely. they get to ruin another uh, early draft rounds, uh, draft round or draft picks uh, career. And right. in, in a year. So uh, that's that's kind of the downfall of the NFL is. I, th- I still think NFL. I, I told you this Saturday, but they need to go to like a lottery or something to to, yeah. to save to save some of those big time quarterbacks coming out of college. But that's that's a different conversation. But as far as Bo goes, um, yeah, I mean, he, he that was never going to be a good situation for him. You know, he he couldn't stop anybody in the Big Twelve, and <laughs> let alone Bama. I mean. I think right. everyone saw the writing on the wall. A lot of people I, I saw on Twitter and stuff were were asking what the prop bets were for LSU even scoring a point. Um, so uh, that that was a that was a lose lose situation for him. And yeah, they got Florida coming to town this week, so uh, he's got another blowout coming his fucking way. So, but on the other side, two million dollar man, they pay him two million dollars a yeah, year. Yeah, and who's laughing? Him. Laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> yeah, for the second yeah. time. So yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think he's going to be losing any sleep over it. Uh, I don't know that Youngstown will take him back, but I'm sure there's another small college in Ohio that would that would love to have him back after this. Whatever. Absolutely. I, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Pelini, he he's just he never really. He never really turned. He never, never quite, never, <laughs> never quite. You know, he never quite curled. Yeah, never quite no. curled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, never quite curled, did he? So, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like a layup of a uh, of a job move for him uh, coming in right. there. I don't know how you wouldn't take that if you're him, anyway. But right. yeah, uh, the, the 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 chips are always stacked against him uh, on this move. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so. yeah, I, and going back to that, like, had he stayed at Youngstown, he'd be maybe eventually like like a Frank Solich, just like right. a beloved guy who stuck it out and won some games and and took him took him to places maybe they hadn't gone before, but took him to the national championship game yeah. a couple years back. And and I mean, everyone everyone could, can appreciate a good Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, viewing of uh, the fr- the fighting Frank Solages. Yeah, um, what'd you think of that whole Coastal Carolina BYU thing? Uh, did you watch the game? A little bit of it. Um, I, I I honestly believe that Coastal Carolina is this year's America's team in college football. Um, Absolutely, every everyone's pulling for them. I mean, their fucking center is five foot nine, t- two six. I'll tell you what, if uh, NCAA football 2020 was out right now, that that would be my dynasty team. Oh my lord! Right, um, I know. <laughs> but the teal feel, the teal, the teal uniforms. I mean, they, they've in, apparently they're in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, but they're kind of like uh, Florida Gulf Coast a couple years ago, you know, for basketball. But anybody that tells you that uh, they they expected Coastal Carolina to to beat BYU after they change games from Liberty is lying to you. Right. Um, I was already intrigued by the Coastal Carolina Liberty game going into that weekend. Me too. Um, and I thought they, I, I thought ESPN did them a disservice by not only awarding them game day, which is really cool, but then just putting it on ESPNU. It's like, I, and then left them with the worst fucking announcers. Ever. Yeah. It's like, who, who are these guys? But it was, it was really cool to see. I've, I've been kind of on BYU this year. I thought they, that they might be the real deal, almost like a, a Cincinnati, a Cincinnati type of caliber team where, you know, they're, they're not necessarily in a power five, but they're going to make noise. Um, and, and you know what? Coastal Carolina stood up to the test and, yeah, they did. And I, I, I think they deserve a little more recognition than they're getting and a little more praise than they're getting. But that's just the college football landscape we live in, and it's broken. And, you know, a team like that that has done what they've done and 
and uh, passed every test up to this point, including a top ten BYU team. Right. You got to you got to give them something here. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still think that Cincinnati of the uh, power yeah. of the the non power fives probably agreed the, uh, agreed team that's going to get a look. Um, but um, yeah, they need you know. Like I said, I'm not sure how the bowl game is going to work out. I don't know if teams that are even invited are going to be able to play or whatever. But, um, you know, there, there's something that needs to be done with college football. Um, it's getting in, into a lot of uh, uh, kind of, unfortunately, how society is getting into. It's kind of getting into the haves and have nots, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, there's a couple of teams at the top that have separated themselves from everybody else. You know, the uh, Alabamas, the Ohio States, Clemson, um, you know, Georgia. Florida, Oklahoma, it's like, and then it's just a bunch of uh, everybody else. And then, you know, once teams are knocked out of the uh, the final, you know, the, the college football playoff, you know, eliminated from them, uh, most of the players aren't even wanting to play in the bowl games and stuff. So there's, they, I don't know what the answer to, to the problem is, but uh, something's got to change because um, this isn't, this isn't sustainable. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, I, you know, one thing that I, I know we'll change it is, uh, you know, there's those rumors swirling that Urban Meyer, you know, going to go to Texas. And I will tell you right now, we, we, we hear it every week after Texas went, Texas back. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you right now, Urban Meyer goes to Texas. They're back. Texas is back. Yep. They're back day one. They are a national title contender day one, fucking without him even coaching a, a game. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what we need. We need Texas to get back to being Texas. We need USC to get back to being USC. Um, even Stanford, you know, Stanford used to be fucking dominant, you know, uh, we need some teams outside of the, the same three to four teams that, uh, step up and make a run, you know, I mean, LSU had their, basically all the stars aligned and, uh, you know, caught lightning in a bottle last year, but, um, as you can see, they're fucking, you know, going to go three and three and nine this year or three and excuse me, three and seven. So, um, we need to get, especially, we need to get some more teams that are competitive, uh, west of the Mississippi. Yeah. So, um, I don't know who that is. I don't know if Texas, uh, USC, Washington, Oregon, whoever. But uh, we need to see some more. Uh, it's become very regionalized. So, you know who'd be nice to have uh, on our roster right now that transferred? Who? Mm. Oh. Avery Roberts, Oregon State. Yeah. That guy. That yep. guy's getting twenty. Playing good. Twenty tackles a game. I mean, yep. he's he's playing good. So, but, uh, you know, outlook for the rest of the season. I mean, you think that we, uh, you know, how about the Minnesota game? You, What are you thinking about that? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic, as I usually am okay. with this team. But uh, the last time we came off a win and we were double-digit uh, favorites afterwards. <laughs> Motherfuckers weren't running routes it, it, and shit. It did, it like, did, oh, man, we good. It didn't go well, but I'm hoping from that experience that we can learn from that and uh, improve come Saturday from the sounds of it. I think it's a go, um, but I, I think that we need to go out with the same type of mentality that we did against Purdue and just, we have to go out and just dominate from the get go. And then unfortunately for us, this is the type of team we are. We have to hold on for dear life at the end. Right. Um, yep. But God, if we, if we can get another win and then go into that crossover over game where, like we talked about, a lot of those teams, they, they're not going to want to be there. Yeah, Michigan ain't going to want to be there. They're not going to want to be there. They're going to, a lot of guys are going to be quitting. I'm not going to even use opt out anymore. <laughs> um, and I think that, uh, you know, we would have a good opportunity to give ourselves a 500 record and then potentially, as a lot of people are talking about, maybe a bowl game if we can find one. Um, yeah. I, well, you, you know, I think people are going to be, uh, you know, especially teams are bowls in Florida or whatever, you know, where they're going to actually have fucking people in the stands. They know that Nebraska fans will travel. Yeah. And, and so, they're looking for that viewership too. And, and yeah, you name brand, you, you yep. know, that Nebraska fans are going to, are going to tune in whether it's 11 a.m. in central time or 9 a.m. or whenever it is, uh, yeah. we're going to be, we're going to be watching, we're going to be eating, we're going to be drinking, we're going to be having a good time and hopefully watching. We'll be tuned in. We're going to be, we're <laughs> going to be watching hopefully another W because I think we can, I, I mean, you know, this could be a sneaky first uh, winning record for Scott and he's not going to have, he's not going to have a gauntlet ahead of him. You know, he's going to have Minnesota who's, 
you know, out, decimated. Yeah, decimated. They, I mean, they might have forty-five guys ready to go. They, they're gonna he, he's gonna have a bottom dweller Big Ten team to match up Their against. Best player already opted out. Fucking uh, Bateman. Yep, and then uh, and then potentially a bowl game against and whoever wants to play us. I mean, we'll play whoever. Yeah. Who wants it? Yeah. Who wants yeah. it? Fucking well. Yeah, but the, that's about it, man. You know, uh, excited to see. You know, hopefully Nebraska can, uh, you know, go two and zero. You know, the best thing about going one one and zero, chance to go two and zero. So, uh, you know, if we can put together another win here, would uh, be a blessing here. So, close it out. We got uh, early signing day coming up here rapidly. So, um, it'd be good to see Nebraska finish the season out strong. But uh, you know, it's going to tell us a lot about this team and this program, this coaching staff of how this team comes out Saturday against uh, Minnesota. Hopefully they don't come out flat, you know, feeling themselves a little bit. So um, that's about it. Anything else from you? Um, yeah, just based on on the recruiting thing, we are still sitting in the top 20 recruiting according to rivals, which we lost somebody, but we gained somebody on Saturday. And then aside from that, uh, just my, my weekly Nebraska ball plug. Uh, oh, yes. We got Georgia Tech Wednesday. Uh, they just beat Kentucky a couple of nights ago, um, and right. it was like one of their first wins of the season. And then a big one against the cross-state rival Creighton uh, later this week. So uh, definitely give them give them your attention as well. But um, Absolutely. I think, uh, I think hopefully things are upward and onward, and go Big Red. As always, GBR, we'll see you guys next week.